and welcome everyone. This is Orphan Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain media. Joining me is the woman who unfortunately always remembers to turn off her video phone while she's dressing. It's Lydia. <laughs> I only ever did that once and I learned my lesson leaving it <laughs> Shame, shame, shame. Oh my goodness. <laughs> At least I don't tear my stockings. <laughs> oh, I thought that was just your vaccination. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> well, welcome, Lydia. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. Uh, before we get started, I guess I just want to run through the usual things. Uh, first off, apparently our listeners aren't cool like I thought they were, because not <laughs> one person has listened and said, hey, I think I want Christopher's notebook oh, with that personalized you. message from him, from him and, and Lydia. I think I just failed to hit send on my message. <laughs> 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 well, think of it. think of it like, you know, of course... We're we are the firefly of podcasts. People watch us afterwards. They you know they don't listen to us as you know as it releases. They listen to us, you know, retroactively. So yeah, that must it must be it. But on that subject, happy birthday! Happy birthday! This is our thirty. Happy birthday! Hey, we have that in common. This is our thirty sixth episode. I'm thirty six. Oh, well, there you well, go. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, this is our 36th episode? It is indeed. This is this is year <gasps> this, this marks year yes, number 3. We're 3 years old today. Well, we are. 3 years old this episode anyway. <laughs> yeah. And if we want it, we could actually sing happy birthday because that has now been declared. Well, while it hasn't actually been declared public domain, oh, it has been, it has been declared that not it would be extreme. By it's not owned. It would be very <laughs> difficult to find out if anyone truly owns it or not. Exactly. <laughs> well, huh. I, well, in that case, it's, since it's not technically, technically public domain and since I would, I would love to hear you sing, though, if you'd like to, Christopher. I'm well, what ready? I do, One. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm being set up. This feel, I feel like Charlie Brown and you got the football. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, what I do probably can't be considered singing, but I'm willing to do it if you are. Warbling. <laughs> Warbling. Yeah. Bird, some birds sing, some birds warble. I was hoping that maybe a listener might call in and sing for us. I bet they will. Didn't happen. Oh. But I, but I'll say this, if they do, before I actually get this edited and posted, it's going to go in right oh, e- here. <laughs> in three, two. <laughs> uh, anyway, I do want to thank everyone that has been downloading. Uh, of course, you know, go to the iTunes. If that's where you get us, well, if you're there, you leave us a rating. Do a little, you know, one, two, three, four, five star rating. And if you are feel so inclined, a nice, fair, and honest review is all we ask. <laughs> that 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 just it, it helps uh, get us moved up a little bit in the search engines uh, when people are looking for things in iTunes for podcasts. So that always helps. If you do want to send us anything, whether it be email or a MP3 or wave you know, audio file, you can do that. Send it right to our email at orphanentertainment at gmail.com. And you, of course, can join our Facebook group. and Just go to Facebook and search for Orphan Entertainment. We've had a couple new listeners, I think, since our last, uh, our last mm-hmm. episode. One from Ireland, I believe it was. Oh. So that's cool. Yeah, very How's cool. That? Uh, our YouTube channel. Oh, my gosh. 
I don't think a day goes by that we I don't get a notification that we have another subscriber That's to the YouTube channel. Well, we have so such to, good stuff on there. Uh, we really do. I think it's just fantastic. I mean, right now we're only like maybe at like 130 subscribers, but considering that you know what we're posting are these old unknown films, I, we're not the big meme that everyone <laughs> exactly <laughs> in, in YouTube in YouTube world. 130 subscribers is it's nobody. Sick. I understand that. <laughs> but to have that many people who are looking back at at this kind of niche genre of entertainment is is pretty fun. Yeah, and there's been lots of great activity. People leave comments on just about every one of the uh, every one of the videos mm-hmm. and think about, oh, I've been looking for this. I'm so glad. <laughs> uh, you know, thanks for you know putting this up. Uh, you know, this was a great film. I. I I remember this from a kid, but didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff. It just—it's really thrilling. So I actually have almost kind of a conversation, a little—you know—a lot of uh, dialogue between uh, myself and the people that have commented. I always try to make sure to, to you know, thank them for thanking us <laughs> for putting this mm-hmm, stuff. Out. Absolutely. So, and and hopefully some of them uh, make their way to the podcast and vice versa. So hopefully. yeah, really cool. Just really great. So thanks again. All right, all that being said, I think we should take a short break and have a little commercial for another fine podcast that's out there. And when we come back, we'll get into this month's, our 36th topic. (laughs) I'm Tony Southcott. I'm Albert Bird. Hi. Tell me something fun, Tony. Life isn't fun. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) We started getting like the real nitty gritty of like uh, what being a critic's about. In-depth reviews that aren't loaded with spoilers. Watch this movie. This movie's good. There's no anger there. There's no frustration. As long as I'm not shoveling feces directly into my mouth, I'm fine. And things allegedly got weirder. The Human Echoes Podcast! All right, well, we are looking at the first science fiction slash comedy slash musical slash talkie film. It's Just Imagine <laughs> from the year 1930. Now, I've seen some talk online that this was made as a sort of response to Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Um two very different films. So I don't know why, I don't know if I'd really agree that this is really <laughs> exactly the case. Uh, I think you can certainly see where there are some similarities and especially maybe in like the art deco mm-hmm. infused uh, future that they depict. Yes. Uh, yeah. But uh, very different film. Don't, don't think that this is an American metropolis. <laughs> no. Uh, you know, the large model of the future New York that they created was a, uh, it was, was kind of neat. They, they built it in a uh, disused army dirigible hangar. Really? Yeah, they, it took them about five months to construct. It cost about $168,000 in 1930. Wow. So that's about two, wow. that's about two and a half million dollars. Easily. Uh, today's money. Just for uh-huh. the set. Just for yeah. the set. They used about 15,000 miniature light bulbs to light it. And then over wow. 70 big arc lights from overhead. Uh to, to, to shine down on it. So very cool. It is an incredibly, very impressive set. Again, maybe not up to Metropolis standards, but really good. 
I honestly didn't realize that a lot of it wasn't backdrop. So that makes it all the more mm. impressive because even the things that are very obviously practical effects, which, you know, somebody climbing out of a vehicle, right. for example, <laughs> you know, is very impressive in this, especially for the yeah. year. So that's that makes it even more impressive knowing that this is all miniature. Right. I, I get the impression it's probably a mix, depending on the scene. I'm sure they probably used some uh, some paintings in the background. Right. But I think the... But the fact that it's not all right. Just I think some of the, the opening shot where you see all the towers and you see the plane zooming overhead, crisscrossing and everything, that's all a, a yeah. really impressive little bit of model work. Now, the scientific equipment that we see used in this film was designed by Kenneth uh, Strickfaden. And this thing, this, this stuff will be seen again and again, and maybe most famously in James Whale's Frankenstein, mm. uh, which came out, I think, in the next year or the year after that. So I thought that was very cool. That is very interesting because you can tell, obviously, the similarity is striking, but it hadn't occurred to me that it's, is it actually the same set pieces? It is. At least much of that it. Is yeah, really I think that was very cool. Uh, Just Imagine was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Art Direction. Not surprising. It was the first, and let's be honest, one of the few science fiction films to be nominated for an Oscar. Hmm. <laughs> Talk a little bit about some of our stars. Of course, the big star here is, well, big star, we'll call it the big star, is L. Brendel. He <laughs> was uh, born in Philadelphia to an Irish mother and a German immigrant, but he himself spoke with a completely standard American English accent without any trace of, you know, there was no, he has no accent of his own. Uh, but when he entered vaudeville in about 1913, he did it so with like a German dialect, with a German accent. Uh, but because of some anti-German sentiment uh, brought about after the sinking of the Lusitania, he developed mm -hmm. a new character. And this one he carried on for most of his career. And this was the good-natured, simple Swede, often called Oli <laughs> or Ollie, uh, which I think he sort of is what he is here in this uh in this yes, film. definitely. Let's see. Uh, in the 1910s and uh, 1920s, he appeared with his wife, as a, uh, who was a, also a vaudeville star, Flo Burt. And it was during this period that he coined his trademarky lines, Ye Viz and Yuppin' Yimini. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, sorry. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> uh, I did get a kick out of him in this film that if you notice, and he does it pretty good. I don't know if he really misses any of them. If it starts with a, with a J, it's a Y sound. Mm -hmm. Gosh, Yudge, is there no justice? <laughs> yes. I mean, <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, yes. <laughs> Let's see. In 1926, he signed a contract with Famer Players Film Company, which was later to become Paramount. And appeared in about eight films over the over the next couple of years. Uh, he was in a film in 1927 called Wings with Clara Bow and Buddy Rogers, and this actually won a, uh, a the first Academy Award for Best Picture. Oh wow! Very much, yeah. He was like the uh, sort of comic relief in the film. He left film for a little while to return to vaudeville but then signed on to Fox Films in 1929. Fox Films is the pr uh, production house that created Just Imagine. And let's see, um, oh, and this also introduced him to the talkies. Prior to this, it was pretty much just silent films. 
So now the films that had sound, he kind of found a new, uh, if maybe fleeting fame. And he wasn't really considered good enough to carry major motion pictures, but he appeared in many B pictures. In 36, he joined Columbia Pictures, and he became very popular in short, uh, quote-unquote, two-reel pictures. And uh, Columbia billed him as America's sweetheart. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Around the mid-40s, Brendel went back to vaudeville and occasionally appeared in some film uh, until the advent of television, where he once again saw, saw a, a small sense of popularity on a few programs. And then he unfortunately passed away after a heart attack in 1964. I think it's worth noting that he was in 30, was it 31 films or was it 41 over the, over the course, 31 films over the course of 10 years between mm. 1926 and 1939. I'm sorry, 1936. Yep. Hello. I can add <laughs> <laughs> um, in 10 years though, he was in 31 films. And I mean, he, which I guess makes him really a cornerstone of that Hollywood golden era. Right. Well, the Hollywood at the time too, when you think about it, especially when he starts going into Columbia and doing the, the two reel, the effectively short films, you know, kind of <laughs> like uh, we need a short film to play before the big film kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, Hollywood exactly. churned films out and that kind of, that practice really kind yeah. of kept going all the way up through at least through the fifties. And it was just, mm-hmm. and they worked their actors. I mean, you signed on to a studio and you were their property and they worked you to a bone. <laughs> they worked you like yes. a dog in a yeah. lot of cases. Well, then we have uh, Maureen O'Sullivan. Uh, she may be best known for playing Jane to Johnny Weissmuller's Tarzan in six films. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had an incredible career. Uh, she starred alongside the likes of Greta Garbo and Basil Rathbone mm-hmm. and 1935's Anna Karenina. Uh, she starred with the Marx Brothers in A Day at the Races. Uh, she appeared as Molly Beaumont in, in A Yank at Oxford in 1938, which was written partly by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And apparently at her request, he rewrote wow. her part to give a little bit more substance. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Hello. Yeah. Uh, she got to play another Jane in 1940s Pride and Prejudice al- alongside Laurence Olivier. And it was, let's see, after appearing in a Tarzan film, Tarzan's New York Adventure in 42, O'Sullivan asked MGM to release her from her contract so she could take care of her husband, John Farrow, who had just left the Navy with typhoid. Uh, She stayed out of the pictures for a while, focused on her family. Until about 1948, uh, she reappeared on the screen in The Big Clock, which was directed by uh, John Farrow uh, for Paramount Pictures. And she continued to appear occasionally in her husband's movies and on some television. Uh, she's also, maybe of course, the mother of Maria de Lourdes Villiers Farrows, better known as Mia Farrow. Oh, yes. So there you go. Uh, just quick mention of a few other people here. John Garrick, who was born Reginald Dandy, <laughs> was an actor who <laughs> built his uh, acting Chops in vaudeville, another vaudeville actor, as many of them were at the time before entering film. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a uh, an English actor uh, with a name like Reginald Dandy. I guess that maybe that was uh, maybe you could have figured that out. <laughs> a little yeah. obvious. Uh, he worked in Australia for a couple of years and then the U.S. At eventually returning to England in 1932, where he continued to act. Frank Albertson uh, had supporting roles in some classic movies like It's a Wonderful Life and Psycho. 
And then another, the uh, I guess our last female star in the film, Marjorie White, was a Canadian actress that was a child performer in a troupe called the Winnipeg Kitties. And she came to film via vaudeville, then Broadway. Uh, she had a very success, successful and busy career, but unfortunately a rather short career as she died as a result of uh, injuries sustained in an automobile accident in 1935. Very unfortunate. Because uh, she, Marjorie White, she played D, uh, the best friend to uh, Marino Sullivan's character. Yes. And I, I think she was my favorite. I loved her. I loved D in this movie. <laughs> It was, it was very sad to find out that she did. Uh, yeah, she's, she kind of got cut short. Yeah, I'm not sure if you picked up on this, but she was in a two reel. You were mentioning those a minute ago. And actually her character was supported by three guys at the time called Howard Fine and Howard, who became the Three Stooges. Several of the actors here, I noticed, I, it, this was just a great time, like I said, in Hollywood. In fact, the, the Hollywood was turning out so many pictures that so many of these actors ended up working with so many other, what we, what we consider, <laughs> you know, these, these classic, we talked about Basil Rathbone and Laurence Olivier, but, but you didn't mention the Three Stooges. And I think uh, L. Brindle, mm-hmm. I think, even uh, started alongside with like Shemp Howard and other comedic yes. uh, classics from the day. And it's just... Like you, you call it the golden age of Hollywood, and I, I think that's a very apt description. I, I guess that's kind of the official uh, description for the time. It, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but I think that a lot of that has to do with the fact that you you could turn on almost any film from the era and see just this incredible. Um, what's the word? Um, variety of actors. You know everything that mm-hmm. you. Maybe an actor that you might only have considered sort of a, a minor B actor, but here he is going toe to toe with someone like Lawrence Olivier. <laughs> yes. Really an interesting yeah. time. Well, should we get into the movie just a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think mm-hmm. we're at that point. <laughs> well, just imagine opens with a a little uh, voiceover and a, a look back. You know, just imagine the difference 50 years make. Uh, we see New York as it was in 1880, uh, you know, slow paced, clean and friendly. But it did have its drunks. Yeah, I love that. They did have this and there's a drunk yeah. guy wandering around. This, uh, that is the first of several prohibition jokes in this film. <laughs> yes. Well, I love the intro. The the they make a reference to aged pedestrians being safe, and and there's this moment where he there's this guy walking across the road, and this double horse drawn carriage pulls up to let him go in front of them. <laughs> Not maybe a little bit of a stretch, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but you know, and then the driver just waves him on all politely, but. Yes, definitely an idealized version of 1880. Yes, and then we see the modern 1930, which is, of course, bustling, crowded, and noisy. Uh, mm. And with a cute little um, stunt gag with a guy trying to jaywalk across the street. Yeah, and I honestly think this is probably the first, well, you definitely consider this the first special effect in this film mm-hmm. for sure. Um, where, the, I don't know if you caught it, but the car actually hits right. the guy and he... And he sort of bounces up. I can't up. even think of a joint yeah, up yeah, <laughs> onto the hood of the car. Exactly. Yeah, I did notice that. And I thought, you know, that the second time I was watching, I was really watching that to see if you could tell that the guy was obviously must have had some sort of wire harness or something 
And yes. I didn't <laughs> notice anything. I was thinking, oh, well, maybe it's not. Maybe maybe it was just him. Maybe there's a springboard on the car. I'm not sure how they did it, but if, however they did it, they mm-hmm. did it really well. But you are right. There's no notable or no noticeable rig right. or anything. So that, yeah, that makes me wonder if there was maybe a springboard of some kind or something on the car that we couldn't mm-hmm. see. If the last 50 years made such a change, just imagine the New York of 1980, when everyone has a number instead of a name, and the government tells you whom you should marry. Just imagine 1980. And this is, it's worth noting that this is uh, 18 years before 1984 was written. Well, released for sure. Uh, 17 years before it was written, so interestingly we already have the numbers and people being told who to be who to marry by the uh the government and all of that so you had mentioned you know similarities to metropolis and i immediately was struck by the orwellian nuances well we see the um the great uh, model work that we were discussing earlier with uh, what yes. appears to be almost like mile-high skyscrapers uh, planes instead of cars mm-hmm. with you know crisscrossing with buzzing and traffic and we meet a, uh, a young man and a woman who, quote-unquote, kind of park uh, their planes in midair. <laughs> <laughs> this, and I, this is another one of those. I, so much of what they imagine in this is really, I, I'm sure, was based off of, obviously, of things that were already in existence. But I, I love that it has um, almost a Harrier type. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they can they can stop down fan. They, they can stop the forward it. momentum and just hover, and just hover perfectly mm-hmm. stably, <laughs> stable enough for him to walk across his airplane wing and go over and sit on the on her airplane wing yeah, and have apparently a chat. hundreds <laughs> of feet up in the air and perfectly yes. comfortable to park this thing and just walk out. <laughs> oh, I loved it. Well, you, they don't need oxygen. No, or and, you know, and I thought too. It's like you know that is funny because let's look at you know how long planes have been around I mean, planes had only been in regular use for quarter of a century tops at this point. Mm-hmm. And here we are you know, with hovering airplanes used as, as, as yeah. everyday transportation. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was pretty, uh, pretty crazy. Well, these two are, uh, that's a, she is LN 18 and he is J 21. <laughs> I like the names that, although they are just you know initials and names, they if you letters, letters and names, mm-hmm. if you say them you know the way they call them, they're still names. She's Ellen. They're still and he's, Ellen he's Jay. and Jay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and I I actually was struck with the curiosity as to whether or not their numbers reference their ages. Mm, interesting. I want yeah, or are you know subliminally intended to? Yeah, that's a good. Uh, good question i get the impression that they weren't the way they described how they got their numbers or names whatever you want their numbers it doesn't sound that way but because we actually i think we do no, no. we we do meet like z4 or something like that like, right like, but in the initial naming oh, of it, it sure, made sure. me wonder if they weren't thinking oh yeah she's an 18 year old girl he's a 21 year old guy right <laughs> Well, J-21 has some bad news. Apparently, J-21 and another man, MT-3, uh, empty. <laughs> I just got <laughs> Yes. That. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, anyway, they, they both applied for marriage to, uh, to uh, LN. 
apparently the guys in this world can apply for marriage licenses to marry the woman that they want to marry. And then the the court decides whether it's a, a valid uh, a request. Well, the court, since there's two people who have filed for this document, uh, the court has to decide. And based on MT's kind of hired standing, the fact he's been able to distinguish himself more, they grant him the right to marry LN18. Selective breeding. Uh, in a way, yeah. Anyway, the two young lovers are quite distraught. Apparently she had the option to... She, you, a woman can agree or, or disagree to be included in this, but mm-hmm. this was apparently kind of arranged thanks to her father and before she met yeah. uh, Jay. Well, and, and he does say, why did you agree to let him file that document? And she says, well, it's father's idea, and I didn't know then that I was going to meet you. Well, J21 has filed an appeal, uh, but he has no idea what he could do to accomplish more than MT3. And he's got four months. That's very important to him. Oh, well, and I love, there is one little thing that I love. Uh, there's a traffic cop oh, that's, yes. in, you know, overlooking this. And he says, hey, you there, you have to move on. You can only park there for three minutes. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love how everything's gone from you can park here for an hour to half an hour. And now it's just yep. three minutes. You have to move on. I, I love how fast paced they perceive everything is becoming. And it has in a sense, but not quite that fast paced. <laughs> well, J21 returns home and we meet his roommate, RT42. RT is a, he's a bit of a comedian, RT. A census taker stops in. Oh, and I hate these modern women. <laughs> also, by the way, Artie. Yep, Artie. Yep, Artie. <laughs> anyway, uh, a census taker, a uh, woman, uh, stops in. And after taking <laughs> a, a good amount of uh, ribbing from RT. Well, I love what she says. She says, uh. I, I'm here for the senses, and he says, I'm sorry, but we're, we're out, out of our, our senses, senses today. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he, I, his little routine with her is, uh, is, is oh, actually uh, what is he, kind of fun. Uh, yeah, I love it. She says, who are your parents? And he says, we're incubator oh, General Electric. We're both incubators. General Electric. <laughs> yeah. Male or female? Well, you, and, and you guess. And with the dog's haircut? <laughs> I have that? to know. What's that? Oh, the dog's haircut. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> How many people live here? Well, three if you count K-9. That poor dog. And K-9, K-9 looks like he was run over by a, a rogue <laughs> pair of clippers. <laughs> maybe, maybe dogs don't travel well on planes. Oh, my God. Oh, mental yes. images, Christopher. Mental images. <laughs> I'm sorry. And then I just had a, a total snapback to UHF. You ready, Fifi? Are you psyched? We're <laughs> <laughs> teaching poodles how to fly. Different kind of... Of, of dog and plane yeah, very much. <laughs> dog flying. Well, the sensor taker takes a little bit of silliness from RT, but finally kind of chastises him. I mean, you have have you no respect for the law? And at this point, <laughs> Jay jumps in. You know the, the the law. You know what is the law done for me? Blah blah blah. Young man, you are very impudent. Have a little respect for the law. The law. How can I respect it? It's ridiculous. The marriage law, for instance. It's robbed me of the only girl I can ever love. Was your application turned down? Yes. Did you appeal? Yes, it comes up in four months. That gives you four months to distinguish yourself over your rival. How can I? I've reached the top in my line now. I'm an air pilot on a transatlantic liner. 
Everything that can be done in aviation has already been done. How can I distinguish myself in four months? Mm, that's your affair. But don't criticize this marriage law. It, like the Volstead Act, is a noble experiment. I loved her. Here, here's um, prohibition joke number two. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's worth noting too. Well, so this is the first. Is this the first song in the movie? Is when you know yep. she leaves and, fact, and yep. he Jane says, "Gives us our first song for for the for the movie." He says, "I like a girl like my grandmother used yeah. to be." He should have been born. <laughs> Although and... his grandmother would have must have been rather. Um, I don't want to say loose, but. Uh, liberal in her affections maybe well, <laughs> i feel like there's an awful lot of smooching in this song or for oh, some oh, reason okay this is the, at first i thought this was just sort of a you know he's sitting there and he's the one daydreaming about 1930 and how great it what it was no this is <laughs> rt's imagination that's getting away with him all these <laughs> that I does that, yeah, i've got that <laughs> rt has some interesting if not disturbing fantasies about 1930 <laughs> women Song. About Jay's yeah. grandmother. <laughs> uh, hmm. I mean, there, there's a scene of him uh, pretty much forcing a kiss on some blonde who, of course, eventually accepts it. And, <laughs> like and then um, another <laughs> woman that's reading a book called Ex-Wife, why she's sitting in a rocking chair in a mini, on almost a miniskirt, kind of rocking a crib with her foot. I, it was odd. <laughs> <laughs> it was after this song that RT decides it's call it's time to call his girl. <laughs> so he dials up a uh, D6 on the video phone. Now I have to admit, video phone in 1930, interesting. Very innovative. There there is a bunch of stuff in this actually that I found to be very innovative. Uh and I, they get to that. I'll I'll get to it when we get to it, which is shortly after the video phone conference. <laughs> and then we uh we do get to see the what may be the first in history video phone gag <laughs> mm-hmm. where he catches her in, pretty much in her underwear while she's i don't know what is she doing dusting her legs i i said but maybe putting on lotion <laughs> it's like baby powder it or is, something yeah it is very modest lingerie for 1980 i will especially compared to some of the clothes that we see right. later on it's fairly modest <laughs> lingerie but so we we're introduced to D. Uh, D is supposed to be taking RT to see some medical experiment. Uh, D heads over, and RT explains to Jay what the experiment is. But this is the part where it is interesting. He comes in and he sa- she says, "Do you like my outfit? What is it? It's called a right? stay out. Is yep. that what she says?" And it just turns inside out and turns into an evening dress, which of course doesn't have a full. No, skirt no, you on can it. still it see her bloomers like, or whatever underneath. Yeah, and then her, I guess her slip becomes her blouse, and her her top becomes just a jacket, and then her hat becomes right. a bag. Which I think is probably the best part of it. But there's a lot. It, there are little things in this that are worth noticing. Like um, the gentlemen are all wearing suits, but none of them have lapels. And right. they all wrap over the front. So it's yeah, and they button on the side. I think they you could do. probably, I, I think we could bring that back. I think that would work. <laughs> I totally, I actually agree. They, it was interesting that there are these very unusual, different, very forward thinking styles, but they, even so it's from the 1930s. And so it's just classic. You could totally mm-hmm. get it back, but there, you know, it's worth noting that in other parts, you know, there's a, 
a backless dress that is very, very, very backless. And, and very, very, well, it appears to be very, very frontless, too. Actually. Well, I think of the same one. dress. There's, actually, there's a different one. It oh, won't okay. be there at a party, and they're saying, oh, that's the, the commissioner's wife or something, and oh, everybody right. will be wearing that dress. Oh, and she's, right. It's, foot to neck completely covered and he says oh i don't like it and then she turns around and he likes it yes <laughs> um yeah but the whole the fashion in this as well as a lot of the technology they have a an electronic periscope that shows them when who's, the uh census the ladies at the door yes and there's there's quite a few there are quite a few of those in this but i just before we got too far in i wanted to mention that the fashion is really interesting because of course there's a lot of nuance or a lot of reference to fashion at the time but it's also very uh scanty by mm -hmm. 1930s standards and then also I, I feel very innovative yeah well i almost get the feeling it was almost people were remembering kind of the 20s and think of the flappers and the mm -hmm. and the zoot suit kind of stuff well, I, I don't even think they were remembering much further than a couple of months ago because well, okay, <laughs> it is only enough. 1930 oh that's true that's true <laughs> but at the same time it's interesting how they take those older the well not older fashions those fashions of their modern day and and reimagine it to be even more scanty uh and or scant i guess is the word that i want to use but they definitely <laughs> i it it, to me, it was impressive, not just because, oh, look, it's scantily, it's scantily, ugh, scantily clad women, which I love the little bit about the nurses in there later on. But um, it, it's also that they really put a lot of thought into the wardrobe. They didn't just say, oh, we'll just put them in clothes and make it right. a little different. They really, I think, paid a lot of attention to it. Yeah, everything... I think they noticed that suits don't change much, right? but women's clothes definitely do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it wouldn't even, yeah the uh, men's suits were just tweaked a little bit. Like you said, they were missing the lapels, but the shirt collar was maybe a little bigger. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the front of the coat uh, wrapped around and buttoned on the side rather than the front. But other than that, it was still very recognizable as just a, as a gentleman's suit. Very, yes, very similar. And even the hats. Uh, the hats were fairly typical, were kind of the, the fedoras, but they were maybe a little bit more trimmed, a little uh, a little sharper lines. What are you? What are the traditional German hats? Oh, they did they a little, looked a little like, that like that to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But with a light, kind of lighter tones, and not the usual. Yes. You usually see a German hat with like a green or a black, and these yes. were much you know lighter tones, kind of to match the suits. Exactly. Yeah, mm. I thought so. It's interesting. I think they they definitely. I think I just think they they you can tell they put a lot of thought into it. And this is a great time too. Before I uh, before I forget is you know you're talking about the the fashion. And of course they've they've got this future that they've created with the flying cars and the video television. They've oh, got, and the fold up sink. I the love fold that. up sink. Yes, and the air the, hair the air dryer. hand dryer. Mm -hmm. The air hand dryer. <laughs> yep. The hair and dryer. No, the air hand dryer, which you, we saw also in. Um, Oh, gosh, the futuristic one that we watched in our shorts last time. I'm oh, sorry, right. in our sure, short sure, sure. videos last yep. time. I did it again. Yeah, 1999. <laughs> in yeah. 1999, they had that one, too. Yep. So fantastic to think that, you know, 35 years later, they were actually not changing their view of the future quite <laughs> so much. No, but I do get a kick out of how they, they try to do it. They, they try to sort of predict, even, even if it is done for comedy's sake more than anything, this future and then give this really great future fashion, but everyone is still very grounded in the in how they speak. Yes, <laughs> it is still very much 1930s vernacular, and yes, the is. style of talk is very much the era. 
especially D. How you oh, like me goodness. now? <laughs> yes. And she is a hoot. She's pretty Oh, funny. she's adorable. I loved it. <laughs> well, anyway, back Tell to- us how you really felt about oh, her. I'm sorry. You know. <laughs> Well, back to this experiment we were talking about. Apparently, a doctor is going to try to uh, bring a man who was killed by a lightning strike in 1930 back to life. Well, of course, this piques Jay's interest. He wants to go along, too. So, Artie's like, sure, why not? Maybe it'll cheer you up. Yeah, nothing like (laughs) bringing a cadaver back to life to get you going again. I love how they completely ignore... um decomposition (laughs) they're just just like oh it's just this dead body for 50 years ago but look it's in perfect condition yeah there's there's no no indication is given exactly why he's been preserved for these 50 years or disbelief that's why (laughs) exactly because because they needed something the plot said so (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly it was more interesting than a dog that's why exactly (laughs) So we get to see the experiment take place, like I said, with uh, some really fantastic special effects and uh, practical uh, scientific equipment uh, mock stuff. It was really a really a cool laboratory. Uh, the ex- experiment, of course, is a success, and we meet our our star here, El <laughs> L- Brindle. And of course, the uh, the scientists, unfortunately, after the guy after they revive the guy, he just they just cast him aside. To me, you're nothing more than an experiment. <laughs> I'm through with you. I've got no you. use for you now. <laughs> exactly. I love, and then I love it. He says, you know, what am I supposed to do? And he says, well, if you're unhappy, I can kill you again. <laughs> oh, no, no, I'm okay. <laughs> go look around. <laughs> I think, I, and it's, that's another one of those where, I mean, sorry, I've, I've read a bit of dystopian classic literature lately not super recently but enough to be reminded of a brave new world where nobody cares about anything (laughs) you know it's like they just do things for the sake of doing things and here it is reflected or perhaps that reflects this film you never know the poor chump maybe we should offer to take care of him what for probably be a terrible nuisance well, what of it? I think we should do it at that, Artie. All right. Say, pal, we know you haven't any place to go. Maybe you'd like to live with us for a while, until you get settled. Oh, don't worry about me. Can you direct me to the Elks Club? Well, that won't do you any good. Why not? Well, don't you realize they put you out 49 years ago for not paying your dues? That's right. I'm not a milk. Oh, don't take it so hard. You come along with us. Thanks, old man. My, my, my name is Peterson. That name's no good to you now. We all have numbers. Numbers? But where can I get a number? And how much is that? Well, they're all given out and set aside for future generations. How about single O or maybe double O? <laughs> Nobody has those, of course. Oh, that's fine. Then shake hands with old single O. <laughs> if you've really decided you want to live, I'm delegated to keep you alive. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> How? With a shot every three hours until you're acclimated. Bend over. 
Jay and RT take O to see the town. Uh, for lunch, they take him to a local cafe, which is just a dispensary in the wall of the building uh, <laughs> that it supplies pills for food. I love it. Through this whole thing, that he keeps saying, not bad, not bad, but back in my time. Right. And, <laughs> oh, I was really worried. This is where my thought was, oh, my gosh, this is the Yakov Shmirnov of 1930. Oh, dear. Um, I really thought this was going to be a further continuing running gag that was going to get really old really quick. As yeah, uh, <laughs> he, he, he eats it, and they're like, well, what do you think? Oh, it's satisfying. Yeah, but back in my day, whatever. Is it? <laughs> I don't know, boys. Give me the good old days. Yes. Uh, and, he, and he does it like three times in three this scene. Three times, yeah. yeah. I thought, oh, my God. If this until is going to be... Uh, we're, until we're, they start giving him drinks. Yeah. <laughs> But I was thinking, oh, my God, we're only like maybe 25 minutes into the film. <laughs> and this film is nearly two hours long. If I got to deal with give me the good old days <laughs> over and over again, I'm, like, I'm not that sure I'm going to be able to make it through. Uh, happily, that wasn't the case. <laughs> it kind of stops, I think, after this, after these scenes. I don't know, boys. Give me the good old days. I do get a kick out of, uh, yeah, oh, asked about prohibition. And they tell him, like, well, we should have uh, light wines and beers in a year or two. Yeah. <laughs> but they have alcohol pills. <laughs> well, I think those are kind of those are kind of bootleg. That's that's essentially a moonshine of the day, I think. Yeah, that would definitely make sense. Especially considering how quickly he has, what, two, three before he's going, whoopee. whoopee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, RT sets him up with a, with a highball in pill form, of course. I don't know, boys. Give me the good old days. O spots something going on uh, just down the street at another dispensary. And we see a young couple, and they're talking. like, well, we've been, this young couple sit there, well, we've been married a year. Are you sure? Yeah, we're sure. Okay, I'm sure. What do you want? A boy boy. or a girl? (laughs) A boy. A couple of coins in a slot later, a baby slides down the chute and they walk off proud parents. (laughs) Give me the good old days. Of course the men would say that. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Yeah, I could definitely see where uh, one half of our population would think this is a really great idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we go uh, to later that night. Uh, We reunite with LN. Uh, she's faking a headache with the help of her friend D to avoid a night out with MT and her father. Some things never do change. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> MT suspects a fake and uh, even spots Ellen dumping her medicine into a plant. Uh, but uh, go ahead and he leaves anyway. I like that. The food's in pill, but medicine is you know powder in a glass of water. <laughs> right. J, R, T, and O arrive downstairs, and uh, O has obviously had too much to eat, drink, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Too much to swallow. Too much to swallow. Uh, (laughs) The boys, the boys leave O uh, and try to decide so they can sneak up the wall to 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 visit the ladies. Uh, M. T. Being suspicious, of course, returns early, hoping to catch J and L in together. So he he knows something's going on. Now, they hide RT in the bed. I get that yep, because yep, it's a Murphy bed. Big Murphy bed. bed, yep. Where do they hide Jay? I didn't... They just neither kinda, time that I watched they it. They just kind of sent him into another room. I kind of get oh, okay. the impression if MT wanted to go looking, you know, he, he would have found, found him, him pretty... pretty yeah, he was just all oh, <laughs> right here. Yeah. He, yeah. Jay hides like a... 
like a four-year-old who just covers his eyes. You can't see me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then what happens? I think uh, Singalo climbs up the wall looking for him and he just walks out and says, here I am. (laughs) Never, ever trust him with a secret. Yeah, the girls try to hide the boys, but they uh, they almost get away with it. But uh, O climbs up drunk, and oh yeah, I know Ye's up here. I saw him. Yeah. <laughs> well, MT forces LN to tell J that he must never do this again, never return. That their relationship is over, and she See, does this so. Is again, why I have to think that she's fairly young because he addresses her as if she's a child, and she reacts as if she's a child. Yeah, that's true. Well, and I think she's doing it, though. She's trying to protect Jay. You get the impression that something really bad would happen to Jay if MT reported him to the authorities. Uh, that is true. That's but they, true. They don't say it was just kind of like, you know what will happen, you know, if the authorities. <laughs> this. I'm thinking, oh, what? My God, is the castration? Yeah. Uh, you know what? That's what Jail? I was wondering. Yeah. <laughs> castration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What in the world? Yeah. I guess that's the worst thing we can think of. So, yeah, so she does it reluctantly, but I think it, it was mostly to, to, to protect Jay from whatever horrible fate <laughs> might have uh, occurred. RT and O head home, and Jay goes on a walk by himself. Uh, during this walk, we get another uh, little song, I do believe. A very mournful oh, song. Got a little, I forgot, but we do get a little song while he's up visiting Ellen. Oh, that's true. And it ends always with, kiss me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Lots of kissing again. Yep, lots of kissing. Well, Jay, he meets a shadowy figure on his walk. And this guy... a lot like the murderer in the original uh, Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Hmm, interesting. I know of a way to kill a man and leave no trace. I kept expecting him to say, (laughs) I know of a way to kill a man and leave no trace. He doesn't, but he does just come up next to Jay and then breathe heavily down his neck, doesn't he? Or did I miss (laughs) a part? (laughs) I think he he hears Jay's mournful song and figures this is is a guy that maybe has nothing to lose. It might be perfect. He says he, he tells him he's got an opportunity that's perfect. He can make this guy's dream, whatever it is that he wants, he, he can make it happen. If he follows him, he's got an interesting position for him. The man takes Jay to meet a famous scientist, Z4. Z4 wants J21 to fly a plane that he's invented that will make it to Mars. Realizing, or after being explained by Z, that this is this being the first man in Mars would certainly distinguish himself over MT and allow him to take mm-hmm. LN for his bride. He accepts the proposal. Jay gets back to the apartment and sees that O's passed out in, in, in bed. RT's waiting up for him. And Jay tells him exactly what's going on. And RT insists that he's going to come along. They've been, they've been buds forever. They've done everything together. And, you know, you'll, I'll be darned if we're not going to do this. So Jay says, all right, I'll fix it tomorrow. You can come with me. <laughs> I, I almost hesitate to bring this up, but there is... Maybe this is just 21st century, you know, looking back. <laughs> but there is a certain affection that you kind of vibe you get from RT towards Jay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's just us. Is it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I honest, I do think so. It's and it's cultural as well. Um, and I, and I think it's time related cultural as well. Uh, other countries are not as. I, I hate to say homophobic, 
but they definitely don't they definitely don't think about affection isn't always sexual but for americans right. affection is almost almost without exception is Equated sexual to sexual mm-hmm yeah, and and that's not which is it's if, not you know, fair. If you, I, I'll admit it; it's not. It's fair. not, and I don't, and I don't think it's accurate either. And I think it causes a lot of issues in modern mm-hmm. time, which we probably don't need to get into because this is really about uh, out of copyright videos and not <laughs> right. out of copyright media, and not about our current weird issues. But <laughs> but no, I think in this case, it's it's just good buddies. Mm-hmm. There is, I, I think, well, you know, I, I think you're right. I think what I'm seeing is indeed, I think, I, I don't think it's too far to say, I don't think it's too far to say that this is, this is love. I mean, Jay, RT looks at Jay and he's got these doe-eared eyes and, well, we, we've been buds and we've done everything. And it's like, this is true affection. This is true love. And this is probably, it, it is probably yeah. for the fact that these two guys grew up together since they were kids. Exactly. And the and idea, I mean, the idea of Jay going away siblings. for, hmm? I said we feel that way toward our siblings, but it's right. more accepted because it's understood that it's in a familial relationship. Right. Where if if this had been made today, then yes, of course, that would have been an undercurrent of, you know, a more sexual affection. Right. But being the area that it was made in, I definitely see what you're saying. And it's definitely a more marked affection than we see now. But that's just because I, I think you could argue it was a more innocent time. Right. And in this world that they've created, for all we know there may not be siblings. I mean, if you're getting babies out of a dispensary. <laughs> hey, they are both children of G- of General Electric. <laughs> so right. in a way, they are brothers. <laughs> exactly. They're both test tube babies. Well, or so he says to the census lady. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, during a farewell celebration on board the uh, U.S. Airways uh, airship Pegasus, uh, which is Jay's the pilot for, by the way, he's a in case I haven't and mentioned, he's inv- a pilot. Which involves a lot of drinking yeah. and a lot of men doing things in synchronization. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually really impressed with the choreography oh, and surprised it by it. Choreography. But I, I love the fact that it's preceded. I love it by the fact that it's preceded by, well, I think a great way to celebrate is our old drinking song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you go through this. You go through every this time every somebody time? leaves. <laughs> they're like, "Hey guys, this was a fun weekend. Let's do the drinking song." <laughs> oh my goodness! I honestly, I think that I have a new requirement for my friends. <laughs> we need a ten. <laughs> hey guys, before you leave, song. let's yes, let's do the drinking song before everybody goes home for the night. <laughs> <laughs> How about leading our old drinking song, Jay? Do you and to the soldiers 
And to the sailors, we'll drink to butchers and even tailors. And while we're at it, we'll keep on thinking of things to drink to. We'll keep on drinking scotch and rye and trimble. Leave us just the simple uh, during during the celebration, after the drinking song, uh, there is a, a big party going on uh, aboard ship, and uh, Jay takes the this opportunity to kind of get Ellen alone to himself and gives him a letter, and he asks her to promise not to open this letter until until after four a.m. Uh, by which <laughs> time, of course, he'll be I- gone. I honor a lot of requests from my <laughs> husband, but if he was acting all suspicious and was like, here's yeah. a letter for you, don't open it for three hours. I re- I would tear into that thing and be like, is he committing suicide? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, kidding. you know, three, four hours, my backside, no way. <laughs> because why can't you give it to me in three or four hours? Tell me what's going on. Yeah. But yes, yeah, she's uh yes, apparently both uh LN and D are yeah. clueless. They can't get any they can't they can't figure out what's going on between J and R T. Oh my goodness. Um I do like Well when fact- you put it that way, I get oh, your sorry. point from earlier. No, 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 I was just gonna say when you put it that way, I get your point from earlier. They don't know what's going on between J and R T. Well, they're running away together, didn't you know? It's <laughs> true. They are, but not not quite in that tent. He steals this moment with LN why RT and D do a fun and a, a truly fun little song and dance uh, it is. number it really to is. the song Swat a Fly, I mm-hmm. believe is the name of the song. Never Swat a Fly. Never Swat a Fly, because the fly may have a family too. And I love it. Or might have a sweetheart. And well, yeah. I think And maybe, honestly, I think this message is carried through because we ran across a giant wolf spider in front of my work today, and we definitely did not kill that. Oh, well, good for you. If my dad is listening, I'm really sorry that I brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, dad. But this moment between with the two of them, um, they are so cute together. They do this so well together. The song is cute. And it's like, you know, this may actually be one of, if not my favorite moment of the film. It's I like, agree. It is them doing cute. their swat a fly routine. And then, um, after they're done, uh, El Brindle gets a chance to show off his vaudeville skills. O gets up there and tells him, you get to do a little song that he used to do back in vaudeville, way back in 1930. <laughs> and, it, and it is also actually a very good skit. I think it's this, very enjoyable. Yeah, this like 15, 20 minutes here where you've got three songs packed in are actually very, very entertaining. Uh-huh, very much. Well, after the party, Ellen's back home, and she's trying very hard to honor Jay's uh, wish and not open this letter. But eventually, she sort of gives in, but does so by just moving the clock hands ahead a few hours. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was good. Like, oh, they, bing, oh, 401. (laughs) Open the letter. Well, she reads the letter and is completely just, she doesn't know what to do with herself. She she looks like she's almost ready to pass out. She's clutching. Oh, my God, what's she going to do? She throws herself together real quick, and she goes to try to stop Jay. But uh, it's, just, it's too late, and she watches as the uh, as the space plane blasts off. And, and collapses, doesn't she? Oh, yeah, just completely collapses, both from exhaustion and just from shock and... Yes. Well, she practically gets blown over by this. Uh, yeah, by I, this I love jet. how. Yeah, <laughs> this this shuttle is taking off, going to Mars, and everybody's just standing about ten feet away, going bye. <laughs> it's 
also though another example, a pretty good example of some great special effects because they got these people, yes. and that is obviously you know not flying off a mountaintop right in front of them. It's obviously, some sort of um, composite uh, filming or uh, rear projection or something, but it's done very well. It is done well, and that's interesting because I hadn't thought about it not being practical. Uh, I can only I only noticed it because there was just you know there was a scene just prior where the crowd standing around the ship, which is a very practical plane, you know, it's a big mm-hmm. thing that they get that built up and everything. But the scene where she runs up, the the angle is off just a little where the, the plane, when it takes off, just looks a little too flat. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that's some sort of composite shot. And the angle is just a little askew. But I think I was too busy watching her not get blown up by it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jay and RT settle down for their long journey. Uh, when, of course, they discover a stowaway. Single O. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> well, since you're here, you're welcome. Well, not like there's anything they can do with them, apparently. <laughs> Throw them out the hatch. <laughs> <laughs> that actually brings us to about the halfway mark. Do you want to go to Mars at all? Or maybe a little? I think maybe it's worth mentioning silent women. Dancing monkeys, evil twins, <laughs> and, you know, of course, then after all of that is the end of the movie. So <laughs> uh, There is some fun and, uh, and interesting and odd things that happen after they get to Mars. I will say that much. Um, there's a very weird song and dance, big song and dance number with, you know, very maybe, big uh, ones. Uh, maybe... 75 women doing some weird tribal dance with a giant uh, idol with moving arms and 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 a gimpy eye. Did you notice the gimpy eye? I, I'm I, sorry, I, I get distracted eye. really easily. <laughs> I really enjoy a lot of films from this time, but I have to admit that sometimes the big production numbers, the dancing that they do, mm-hmm. I don't get. <laughs> There's nothing attractive or graceful or anything it's about anything that these women ex- were doing. It's all explained in White Christmas, the choreography number. It's- Heps who did steps aren't stepping anymore. They're doing choreography. <laughs> yeah, no? No. Nope. Oh, get- yeah, watch it again. Yeah, it's been look a while. For the- look for the choreography number. And you'll go, oh, that's what was going on back in that movie that we watched. <laughs> Just imagine, they were doing choreography. They weren't dancing, they were doing choreography. Well, it's the weirdest damn choreography I've ever seen. <laughs> I think that's about it. That's like, So I guess that's where we'll leave it. Uh, uh, overall, you know, this is a fun film. I enjoyed it. I have to admit that there was some times where I was thinking... It would be nice if some of the musical numbers were in there, but I really enjoyed some of a, a few of the musical numbers. Mm-hmm. So you really can't have them without them sticking out like a sore thumb without all yes. the others. Yeah. <laughs> well, it definitely is a musical. Yeah. And, you know, and any musical has your favorites and your less favorites. So I, I think that. Taking into account too that the music is of its era, mm-hmm. you know, it would it would have been different if it was made in the forties or in the fifties or in the sixties. Sure. And the, there was, like I was saying, just like there was no effort to change the way people talk, mm-hmm. uh, 
there was no effort to, oh, let's make this futuristic musical instrument or this futuristic type music. I mean, Jay yeah, plays yes. a very standard-looking guitar. They sing very 1930 kind of ballads and mm-hmm. you know, jazz numbers or what have you. So, yeah, definitely a product of its time as far as the, 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 the music and the dance goes. Mm-hmm. And maybe, well... Maybe that explains the Martian dance because maybe they were actually going, well, this is Mars, so it should be. (laughs) That would make, and they did, I think, make an effort to have a very different culture on Mars. Oh, very much. Silent women. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You know, and the way that they communicate, definitely very different from how we communicate. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe they were, I think in some ways, like the headache, they were making the point that not everything changes. Right, right. So I think it's about time we should go ahead and give some ratings, unless you have anything else you'd like to add. No, I'm very interested to hear your rating. All right, all right. I I almost feel a little guilty. I've been giving this one a lot of thought. This is another film where I enjoyed it more the second time I watched it than I did the first. But I'm still only going to come in with a two. Just because... I think it's very interesting for the type of film, for the ti- for the time it was made, but it is not a film I think that anyone's going to. I, I couldn't just recommend this to anyone. It's like, oh, you've got to see this film, nineteen thirty. It's so interesting, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they're going to get bored with it pretty quick, especially when some of the music numbers and stuff kick in. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not to say that it was a. a bad film my rating has nothing to do with the quality of film it's just as far as uh, entertainment value i'm gonna rate it a little lower okay well and i think based i think that helps me a little bit i think more on a technical kind of side of it i would rate it higher mm-hmm. i think that sure. it it had a lot like i you know like we mentioned the practical effects and and certain things that they did in it that you could tell they put a lot of thought into. And I, from that perspective, I can't go as high as a four, but I think it's a solid three. Okay. Um, especially given the era that it was in. If, given, if we were only taking films from 1930 and rating them, I think this would probably get a five. Oh, sure. But, yeah, but, you know, taking into account, hey, if you have the opportunity, you're only going to ever watch one orphaned film you know, would this be the one that I would recommend? It wouldn't. Yeah, no. But it's also not the one I would say, don't even bother. Exactly. So I think I think there's a lot of historical value to it, a lot of technical value to it. And I think, honestly, it was pretty well thought out. When it comes down to it, it's a romance. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a classic 1930s romance, a classic in the typical sense more mm-hmm. than – you know, it's something everybody has to see. But but I don't think that it was poorly done. I don't think that they skimped on anything. I think that given the era, I think it was actually a very strong film for its time. And I would definitely give it a solid three. All right. Very good. Yeah, it was definitely, like you said, a romance. But it was a romance that was wrapped around just a vehicle for El Brindle. I mean, I think yeah. <laughs> I think the studio was really going, okay, we've got this new vaudeville guy. He, he, he's, he's, he's pretty popular right now. Let's, let's, let's put him in a movie. Let's let him do his thing. And that's what this film is. Mm. I mean, they certainly threw the budget at it. Yes, um, definitely. In fact, uh, but the response, apparently, box office-wise, they said it was... I, I, I read that it wasn't didn't do that great box mm-hmm. office wise. And I think someone else 
I saw someone say that really they didn't throw this kind of money at a film like this or any kind of a science fiction film or anything until till you get up into the 50s. And then I'm, I'm thinking right. like you're getting into things like a Forbidden Planet or something like yes. that. And I'm, I was sitting there thinking, I was like, well, that can't be true, but that might be true. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but like I said, it was definitely a vehicle for, for Brendel. Mm-hmm. And it, I guess based just on that, it really wasn't much more than that. And I think that maybe goes into my rating as well. Yeah, on the technical side, it's it's spot on. It's absolutely would be a five for me. I, mm-hmm. it just for the time and for what they accomplished uh, for the time, I think it was just amazing. I agree. Well, and I think I appreciate that they didn't start with him and they didn't. Yeah. I mean, they ended with him and they ended in a comical way, which I definitely appreciated. Um, but I, I think as far as actual screen time goes, he you know, he was close to half of it was screen time for him, but it wasn't as if it was completely one-sided and it was just mostly him with other characters in the background. I think I, I think that helped me with it. If it had just been, you know, Oh, historical gags and and things like that, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did. Exactly. Okay. Well, I'm glad we're, we're, we're closer. I was afraid we'd be a little further off. I was, was, (laughs) you know, so I'm like, I I, I feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I, I kind of, I, I'm a little, I I don't want to give it lower than that, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, I also think I wouldn't give it higher. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Nope. I, I, I completely agree. And I think, I think we're coming at it from the same way. It's just our, our final decision on the grade is just slightly different. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, and what we appreciate is a little different. I'm, I am a little more into romantic stories. Mm-hmm. I will admit that. Um, so, it, you know, it stands to reason, I think, that maybe I would give it a little bit higher. I think from the perspective that it is romantic. And there's, I, I really enjoyed that there was w- more than one romantic couple in it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you don't see that. You have, you know, the one couple. And then at the very end, maybe somebody shows up to get, you know, the old maid friend or the bachelor buddy. But in this case, you actually had both couples that kind of went through the whole thing. I'm, and I enjoyed that. Yep. All right, then. Well, I think that is going to do it. Well, Lydia, this was awesome. Thank you very much. I, I was thinking, you know, I was like, wow, is this really the film that we should be doing for our third year anniversary? And I think, you know what? It's not a bad one to do. I, no, I think I th- it was fun. Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we could take that a step further and say, well, Christopher, just imagine in three years. What, <laughs> <laughs> what difference will three years make? Will we be flying in cars yet? <laughs> well, stay tuned, listeners, and find out. That's right. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I guess that is going to do it. Um, Lydia, thank you very much for joining me. And thank you for joining me for these three years. It has been an absolute blast. I'm, I'm looking forward to the next three years. I'm, hey, I, I'm still doing it. That means I must enjoy <laughs> it. Well, no, I, I hope really so. do. I hope I so. Absolutely do. If, if you ever stop and join it, please let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will. Oh, I'm sure you will. <laughs> No, it has been a, an absolute blast, and uh, this movie has been a, a fun to watch, and it certainly has been a lot of fun to discuss. And I hope our listeners have enjoyed our our um, opinions, wafflings on it. <laughs> yeah, our opinions. Thank you very much for listening to our opinions on this film. <laughs> yes, I do hope you go out and watch it for yourself. Um, yeah, and give us your opinions as well. Uh, absolutely, we appreciate that you listen to ours, but we'd love to hear yours. Yeah, I don't think anyone has ever come back with their own Othel rating on any of our films, and that would be pretty <laughs> awesome. 
That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I tell you what, since no one has called in or wrote in with any kind of feedback to try to win our my, my notebook with our heartfelt thanks scrawled on the covers, uh, I will extend that. I will just, I will keep <laughs> this book until someone calls or writes and says they want that book. <laughs> and then someday it'll be worth so much money you'll be able to bl- buy your own hover plane with it. Exactly. And that way, then you and I can can actually get together and be in the same room when we do these. (laughs) All right. Well, then, uh, all the contact information is out there to be found, people. So please feel free. And thank you again for listening. Thank you again for watching on the YouTube channel. And thank you for joining the Facebook group. We both really appreciate it. Absolutely. And Lydia, I appreciate you. Thank you again. Christopher, I appreciate you. (laughs) All right. right. Well, we'll all see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Oh boy, give me the good old days.